Our first scripture reading is from the prophet Hosea in the first chapter. Listen for the Lord's word today. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take for yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Name him Jezreel, for in a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. On that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter. Then the Lord said to him, Name her lo for I will no longer have pity on the house of Israel or forgive them. But I will have pity on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. When she had weaned lo she conceived and bore a son. Then the Lord said, Name him lo for you are not my people. And I am not your God. Yet the number of the people of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which can be neither measured nor numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, it shall be said to them, Children of the living God. Our psalm is the 85th. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You pardoned all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground, and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and will make a path for his steps. Our New Testament reading is from Colossians, in the second chapter. And I marked my Bible wrong, so give me a minute. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. 
See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to faithfulness in him, who is the head of every ruler and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision, by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him when he forgave us all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them, triumphing, triumphing over them in it. Therefore, do not let anyone condemn you in matters of food or drink or of observing festivals, new moons, or Sabbaths. These are only a shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Do not let anyone disqualify you, insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels, dwelling on visions puffed up without cause by a human way of thinking, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body nourished and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows with a growth that is from God. And from the Gospel of Luke in the 11th chapter. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will you give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> 
first chapter of Hosea is uncomfortable and awkward. Each year see in the lectionary when this passage pops up, I look at it and go, oh, not again. <laughs> Hosea is called by God to enact and embody the dramatic relationship between God and God's people. Hosea stands in for God, and Gomer, the prostitute, stands in for Israel. The children God begets by Israel in the persons of Hosea and his wife, they bear significant names. Jezreel is a place of slaughter, of great violence. Lo Ruhamah means without mercy. Lo Ami, divisiveness. Hosea speaks two messages in his prophecy, one of judgment and one of hope. I tend to think he's speaking to two different audiences. There is the hope of restoration and rehabilitation, but we often have to try to travel first through trial and judgment before we get there. Just as we must go through death on a cross before we can find the empty tomb. There's a word of reconciliation. Hosea, like many other prophets, was trying to affect the reconciliation that we have learned through trial and error we can only truly find in Jesus. Paul gives us this message that Jesus is the great reconciler. We've been clothed with Jesus. We are made disciples, those who learn from Jesus and work to further the work he has begun. We often don't see that work as ongoing. We tend to think of Jesus' work as completed, already done, so all we have to do is sit back and be washed in grace. The work is often understood to be the salvation of individual persons. But let's take a little context. This is Luke's year in the lectionary cycle. And one of Luke's emphases in telling the gospel story is redemption and reconciliation for all in this life, not in the next. That what Jesus came to do is to very truly heal the broken places in this life with special attention to the poor and the sick and the institutions that further poverty, and illness. Special attention to those who have been negatively impacted by a divisive, merciless, and often violent institution. Another emphasis for Luke in his telling of the gospel is that Jesus is a person of prayer. Jesus prays before and after pretty much every pericope, every episode. Because prayer is what sustained Jesus in his earthly ministry. 
He's always praying for discernment, for guidance, for strength. Seeing him pray so often, it's no wonder that his disciples ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now this prayer Jesus has taught, over the centuries we have meshed it with other versions, we have embellished it a little bit, we have ritualized it, but the prayer itself, as Jesus taught it to those first disciples, is simple, short, and to the point. It focuses on God before we get to the part where we start asking for stuff. It begins with an invocation of God's name and a declaration that God is indeed holy. By invoking God's name, we are inviting God's kingdom into our midst. And then the petitions for daily bread, for forgiveness, for mercy. By praying it together along with all the faithful of every time and place, we reach across the divides that otherwise keep us apart. This prayer is bi-directional. It's not just about our relationship with God, it's about our relationship with others. Forgive us as we forgive. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Forgive us as we forgive. It begs the question, how well or poorly do we forgive? And what is it we are asking God to do? We are appealing in this prayer to the God who desires reconciliation with us. Asking to heal the children of violence, mercilessness, and division. This prayer is intimate. When we connect this prayer with our passage this morning from Hosea, it is a moment when we ask God, our lover, to rename our children. May violence be renamed peace. May mercilessness be named mercy. May divisiveness be renamed unity. Of course, Jesus doesn't stop with the prayer itself. As usual, he moves from teaching into explication. In asking for something, we receive. What is tacitly implied is that we shouldn't necessarily expect to get just whatever we want. I'm sure many of us have had plenty of times in our lives when we ask God for something specific that we never receive. But the gift of prayer isn't about the realization of our desires. The gift of prayer is the Holy Spirit. When we pray to God in petition, it is the Holy Spirit that we receive. Now that may seem like a disappointment, like when you open a birthday present or a Christmas present, expecting that thing that was at the top of your wish list and finding out that, well, your gift is a little bit farther down that list. 
But the Holy Spirit is the thing that Jesus promises. And it is the gift that keeps on giving. It is the Holy Spirit that sustains us, guides us, teaches us, comforts us, gives us courage and internal resources to further God's kingdom. There's a lot for us to do, and we need the Holy Spirit. We need to rename the children of Gomer. No longer violence, mercilessness, and divisiveness, but peace, merciful justice, reconciliation. To speak out against the very same unjust system of which the cross of Jesus is an indictment. Our system of government is becoming increasingly violent, merciless, and divisive. The children of Gomer very much still live in our midst today. We are aware that human beings are being very poorly treated because of their nationality. But in the last couple of weeks, we have found that our government is now rounding up citizens, citizens who have brown skin and imprisoning them, interrogating them. One of my friends asked when we're going to start requiring people to bear badges like the Stars of David, but we don't really need badges. All we have to do is look at the color of one's skin Places like Chicago and Baltimore are being referred to in the same language that was applied to the Jewish ghettos of 1930s Europe. Crowds are regularly being whipped up into a frenzy tantamount to bloodlust. And just the other day, Emmett Till was lynched yet again. There's a marker that goes up at the place where they found his body. That marker has been defaced and shot at and had to be replaced at least four times in the last 64 years. Each time it's defaced, that 14-year-old boy is lynched again. And these few young white men considered it a great honor to take their part in the lynching 64 years later. We are allowing an environment that emboldens such actions not only to happen, but to be documented and bragged about and put on social media for everybody to see. Propaganda machines are fanning the flames of anger, fear, and resentment. Friends and families are estranged from one another. News entertainment outlets are dividing those who once loved each other deeply. As once loving and just people's hearts harden, slowly turning them into hateful and merciless people. And all too often we revel in it, actively welcoming the divisions so wrought. Indeed, Gomer's children are alive and well today. 
the prayer Jesus taught, invites us to turn to God, to invite God's kingdom into our very midst, to heal us and our relationships with God and one another, to pray for provision, for forgiveness, for mercy, while recognizing within the same prayer that we are asking for forgiveness because we forgive others, we elide that fact more often than not. But the very structure of this prayer shows us that we can't ask God to do that which we are unwilling to do. When we pray what we receive, is the Holy Spirit. If we are open to the Spirit, we are renewed and empowered and encouraged. Empowered to rename Gomer's children. For God's is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.